Hello and welcome to Walk in the Shadowlands podcast. Let me be your guide as we take a walk into the shadowy realms of the unexplained, the paranormal, of things that go bump in the night and haunt your dreams. Your host? I'm Marianne. And I would like to welcome you to our podcast. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, today, whatever time it is, wherever you are living in this beautiful world of ours. So sit back, relax, and let me be your guide as we walk into the Shadowlands together and discover what awaits us there. Last episode, I briefly went over some definitions related to the subject and I introduced my guest for these two episodes, David Montgomery. He shared some of his experiences with star people, some of his experiences that he remembers about going underground and speaking with groups of diverse species of star people. He talked about the androgynous being whose facial features he never saw, who met him at the door to the underground chamber where he spoke with these beings. He talked about beings around his bed at home. One thing that most experiences have a shared knowledge of is changes that are coming to our planet, earth changes, of the need to take care of our planet and look after her. This is something that is impressed on all of us deeply impressed. David is no exception to this. Today we continue our conversation and David also talks about his men in black experiences as well. Are you ready? Then let's recommence our journey into this part of the Shadowlands. My guest, David Montgomery. What caught my attention about your post in MUFON, in the MUFON group, was that you had the men in black experiences. Yes. And I had literally just finished 
voicing an episode on the men in black and uploaded it waiting to be played this season. So your post caught my attention. Can you tell me a little bit about those experiences and how they came about? You know, the backstory? Yeah, I've been, you know, I've been trying to figure out like, okay, why? Why are they here? Um, And, you know, to be honest, I don't have like a solid answer other than perhaps like you and many others, they recognize that we do, we are in contact with other beings, maybe periodically being taken. Mm. Um, Perhaps there was a program where they're really watching people like us. Mm. Yeah. And you know, who knows, you know, maybe they're, they have a way of knowing um, who is being taken. And maybe some of those abductions are not actually off planet. Maybe it's, you know, it's the government themselves. So maybe they know directly who they're dealing with. Mm. So, yeah, as to the why, that's still a question I haven't, I, I don't know. Mm. So the first one, the first one was about 10 years ago. I was with, um, and it happened in broad daylight. My two friends and I were at uh, a pretty a popular mall here in the city. And this one entrance, um, there's a couple of restaurants very, very close by. And um, it wasn't super busy, but there was a number of people around. And we all met there and we were going to go in and uh, I kind of met. I, I don't remember why, why we were there. Or we were just, you know, we hadn't seen each other. So we decided that as a meeting place. And we stopped outside of the entrance because there was, um, I know in, in the uh, email, I said a busker but, um, to make it easier. Uh, but it was actually a lady that was standing out there with, with uh, a big snake, like a boa constrictor snake. And she was like letting people pet it. And she says she was just trying to help people, you know, overcome their fears of snakes. So we were just kind of watching her and I was going up and I was playing with the snake and somewhere while this was happening, I just had this inclination to just look over my right shoulder and about 25, 30 feet away, so against the wall of one of these restaurants, there was a wooden bench um, that you could go sit at right against the wall. And I looked over, and my eyes immediately just stopped on him. And there was this thin man in all in a black suit, a black bowler hat, and he was sitting at the far left-hand side of the bench. And he had a magazine in front of him, like you would imagine, you know, a man in black with paper in front of his face. Yeah. Um, I don't think it was a paper. It was a magazine that he had. And he had it up so that I couldn't see his face. However, as soon as I looked at him, he lowered it. He lowered the magazine and we made eye contact. And it was a very odd experience because I remember this. I just felt this, oh, like I didn't. Yeah. You know, when you meet someone, you kind of have that, there's a, an unconscious connection that you meet, that you make with them. Yes. And it was like, oh, I don't know. I don't want to connect with this person. Yeah. And we just kind of held the gaze for about three seconds. Um, and then I kind of, I swung my, my head back around and went, who is that guy? Like, is that ever like, and then it did kind of come in. He looks like, like a man in black, like he's dressed to the T. Right. Pale skin, everything. And I thought, this is really weird. So um, I nudged my friend, Troy, and I said, hey, Troy, 
just look over your shoulder. And he goes, I know I've saw him. He's been watching us for a while. Um, and he kind of confirmed like, yeah, he saw this guy too. And, um, it was shortly there in that we decided, okay, let's, let's head inside to the mall. And just before we started heading in through the doors, I, I took a glance back and he was gone. Oh, just like uh, that. So that was that. Yeah. Just like that. That was the first experience of seeing one. So, you know, whether he was there for me, for us, for somebody else, I don't know. Um, the fact that he knew exactly when I looked at him mm-hmm. um, and there was that direct mm. uh, eye contact between us. Um, yeah. You know, who, who knows? And the intimidation factor you felt from him? Yeah. It wasn't so much an intimidation um, like that projection of fear, like this, the second one we'll talk about, but just a feeling of, yeah, this isn't someone who I'd really want to, you know, connect with. Yeah. You know, you know, there just was something icky about his energy. Yeah. Didn't feel, didn't feel right. That's exactly how I felt too with my men and black experience. Mine happened, I was five or six, not sure what age I was, between four and six anyway. And this classic shaped UFO came down over my house at about 10 o'clock in the morning on a Friday workday. We lived in an industrial area opposite a factory that made ice cream. And this was back in the early 60s. So they would clean out the freezers once a week and put the ice out in the street to melt, which of course they could never get away with these days. But back then it was just what they did. And the guys were all out there having their cup of tea. And that's how I know it was morning tea time, which is always about 10am in New Zealand. And suddenly there was this whirring, loud noise that was really high-pitched and hurt my ears. And there was an air pressure change. I didn't know what was going on. I just covered my ears and looked over at the people in the factory to see if they could hear it. And everybody was like this, with hands over ears. Some were pointing up at the sky, and I looked up, and there was this classic saucer-shaped UFO descending slowly directly over the roof of my home. I don't know how high above the roof it was, and it seemed to be there for a while, and then whoosh, it was gone. But actually, what happened was there was obviously missing time because Mm. I remembered much later in life that a blue beam of light came down and took me on the ship. I had an experience with the beans, and then the next day, early in the morning, there was a knock on the door. And as kids, it was really exciting to run and open the door. My sisters and I would all fight about who was going to go and open the door. We would all rush to be the first one. And I opened the door. There standing at the door were two men in black. And there was the third one at the car at the gate, which was only about like 10 feet from the front of the house. So it was quite close. It was a car with a running board, so it was very posh for those days, although most cars in those days had running boards, but it was still a very posh car. And the third guy was standing with his foot on the running board. One was standing on the doorstep. The other was to the side of the man facing me. One man was like this, the other was on his side, like that, behind him. And my mum came to the door and she was terrified of them. She pulled me behind her and you could feel they had a nasty energy. That was the point of me telling you this. Yeah, that energy was really nasty. My mum pulled me behind her and I could feel her hand shaking. She was that scared and intimidated. 
she was only in her 20s, so yeah. it would have been really scary for her and intimidating to have these richly dressed men with their fedora hats, sunglasses, and the attitude and energy. And they kept saying to mum, you won't remember, yeah. you won't remember. This never happened. You won't talk about this. They basically intimidated her. And I heard one guy say, what about the kid? And the other guy said, oh, she's too young. She won't remember. So I made a point to remember. And I said to myself, there's no way I'm going to forget this. I'm going to hold this memory. And I think because they said you're not allowed to talk about it, you can't talk about it. I've made a point all my life to talk about it (laughs) because that's just who I am, you know? Yeah. And I was a very determined kid, so mum forgot. It wasn't until I went to live in the States in 2000 and something. I was visiting my mum before I left, and we were talking about our UFO experiences because my whole life my family has had UFO experiences, and quite often they follow genealogical lines. Yeah. yeah. So it's highly likely that other family members of yours have had experiences as well. I'm sure they have, yeah, I'm sure they have. So it was just about that intimidation factor that comes off them, that yucky, horrible, nasty feeling, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, um, looking back on that first encounter, it was interesting because uh, there was nobody that was paying him any attention. I mean, he looked like he was dressed right out of the 40s. Yeah. uh, But nobody paid him any attention. It's like he wasn't there. It was so interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the lady I mentioned earlier, Susie, she had her own men in black encounter, but he wasn't dressed in a suit, and he was sitting in the front of the car that they got into. The woman that was driving the car didn't acknowledge this person, didn't speak to him at all. It was like she wasn't even aware he was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he turned around and spoke to them. He wasn't in a suit. He was in... Uh, was it Arizona? Some desert state. And he was dressed really warmly for being where he was. They were over there at a UFO conference, but he had the classic features, the pale, pale skin, sparse hair, lack of facial hair, you know? Yeah, yeah. All those. He got out of the car and walked in the building. They were parked outside of and just disappeared. They ran after him because they wanted clarification of what he had said to them. The building was an open place office, car rental place with only toilets off the main room. So they both searched the toilets. He wasn't there. There was no other public exit. He simply had vanished. And inquiring at the desk, no one had seen him enter the building. One has to wonder if they have technology that can make them appear and disappear, or are they interdimensional beings of some description? Well, that kind of is a good segue into my second experience, because I totally believe they do. Yeah. Yeah, totally believe it. There was a period um, after that first encounter with um, that Men in Black where about a year, year and a half afterwards, I went through a period of about a, it was a good two weeks where I was convinced I was being followed. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it's, I would kind of check in with myself. It's like, were you paranoid? It's like, no, that's my intuition kicking in. It's like, I'm being followed. Somebody's watching. Um, and it went on for about a week and a half, two weeks. And I never saw, I couldn't actually catch a glimpse. Um, but I just knew that there were eyes on me. Yeah. Uh, and then it, and then it went away and it, it happened one other time. Um, a couple of years after that, before the second, second experience. 
I certainly do know that there are some of us, and Susie had the same experience, where certainly when I first started doing my work, I had experiences the same, where there was a white van, oh, I can't remember if it was a van or a ute, some sort of white vehicle parked outside of my house with men in it. And a friend went and approached them because she saw them watching my house and had seen that they had, in fact, been following me. I was unaware of them, just like you. But just like you, I felt like I was being watched. I hadn't told her about it. She went over to see who they were. As she approached the car to confront them, they wound the windows up. And Susie had the same experience, but her neighbours saw a white vehicle parked outside her home with men in it. They went to approach them. They also wound the windows up and drove off. Yeah, interesting, hey? Yeah, yeah. And you gotta, you got to wonder, um, I mean, these encounters haven't given me any answers. They've just raised more questions. you got to wonder, okay, well, what are they doing? Mm-hmm. Are they just observing? Are they there for spe- you know, some other specific reason? Mm. Are they just keeping tabs on certain people? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Right, right. My gut tells me they keep tabs on certain experiences, not all of them, yeah. just certain ones. And maybe it's because of the work we do or the role that, or, or the tasks that our people have assigned us or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Yeah. But that's my gut feeling because I know that I have specific work that I do as you do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, <clears throat> I do, this is the part that you, we haven't really talked about. So is I do a lot of uh, energy work for 20 years now. I've been bringing in new levels of consciousness for people, helping them open up, open up and wake up essentially. Right, right. So, yeah. And right there, it's it's like, that probably is like a, you know, a light bulb over my mind, yours and others' heads where they probably don't like people like us doing what we're doing. No, no, of course they don't. Now, see, we're doing the same sort of thing, but in a different way. And part of my work is waking people as well, like letting starseeds know who they are, what they are, and that it's time for them to wake up, that kind of thing. Yes. So we're doing the same sort of work, but from a different angle. Different perspective. It's the same work. Yeah. And yeah. there's lots of us. There's lots of us doing. Yeah, lots of us. You know, we all have our own unique um, abilities and talents. Correct. That we have awoken to and people are beginning to awaken to. But we're all part of the same team. Correct. You know, we have the same, we have the same goal in mind. Absolutely. And, of course, those that currently control this uh, reality that we're currently known of aren't wanting people to wake up. No, no, definitely not. I'm getting really sidetracked here. Okay, so tell me about your second Men in Black experience. Okay, so this one, this one is, I have to segue up to this one because it's, because it was just so bizarre. Yep. It was very, very different than the first encounter. Um, It was much more personal and directed. Right. And they were right in my room. So the way it happened, and I also talked about them having access to portal technology, which I'm convinced because I saw it mm-hmm. maybe seven years ago, six years ago. Uh, again, middle of the night. Um, and I, I woke up um, just with this really heavy feeling. I could just, I don't know if it was the, that feeling that woke me up, but 
I just, I woke up and I laid there and it was like, oh, like just this ick energy, this heavy mm. feeling. Mm-hmm. And and then this um, this fear started rolling in, and the fear was was being projected. I've learned is from them. They're able to actually project fear. They they can project it onto people, and they can project it into areas. So like a, a large area. And as I was lying there in bed and just kind of feeling this, like, what is this energy? Uh, Opposite the end of my bed, um, against the wall, which was about six feet away from my bed, uh, I started seeing this light emerge right in the middle of my wall. And this, all I can call it is a portal, this great big portal uh, energetic portal opened up and it was a, a good six or seven feet in diameter and in walks from that portal three men in black dressed exactly like the ones I saw mm. in the, the first one I saw uh, black suits white shirts black tie hats and gla- they're all wearing sunglasses dark dark glasses even though it was dark mm. um, but there was a light that was being emitted from this portal that I could now see my room. So the other thing um, that I should add is when this heavy feeling came in, I couldn't move my body. My body was immobile. It's like if I wanted to get like move, I, I was not able to move. All I could do was kind of tilt my head to the side and up to kind of see what was happening. So I was immobile and and just this incredible feeling of, of fear. Mm. And I think that they really intentionally use that to disable people, yes. to put you in a disadvantage so that they're able to do what they need to do. I agree. And this portal opens and out walks three of these men. One of them stayed at the entrance of the portal and he had one foot, his right foot in the portal like inside my wall and the his left foot was on my carpet it's like he he was keeping it open that was i kind of got the 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 sense that he was there holding this open the other two walked into my room and they started rifling through everything and i was laying there and i just got my head tilted up going what is going on like should i do i do anything and i said i can't move it's like, what are they doing? And they started going through my drawers, um, moving clothes. They were looking under my drawer. Like they were looking, they were there for something specific. Right. And they were like going through everything. In the meantime, I'm like, you know, I'm immobile. And there's a part of me that was like, okay, I need to get up and do something. Like, But it's like I couldn't move my body. Mm. So all I could do was just observe so I'm like, okay, just be quiet and just observe what's going on. And they were in my room for about three minutes. Um, again, just kind of, they looked everywhere. They did not look at me once. They didn't even acknowledge that I was there. Wow. They just came in. They started going through stuff. Um, and then after about three minutes, uh, they both walked back to the uh, portal they got in and then the man that was kind of straddling it walked in behind them and then it closed. 
and then my room went dark again. And I laid there probably a good 15, 20 minutes, just kind of um, like in this, this surreal shock, mm-hmm. like what in the world just happens? Like mm-hmm. you question, like, did I just see that? Like, am I dreaming? No, I'm awake. Mm. Like I've just actually happened. And it, it took a while for that, the energy of that fear to kind of start dissipating. Mm. Um, it didn't leave right away. It, took, it had to like wear off. And when I was able to get up again, 15, 20 minutes later, I like turned on the, my light and I started like, okay, what are they looking for? And I have no idea. Like I couldn't see anything that was missing. Um, yeah. It's other than some overturned clothes and stuff. Every, like every drawer they opened was put back. So that was a very, very interesting encounter. And I think just recently I've, you know, putting together maybe the whole alien technology thing and, and, and their sudden, you know, appearance into my room looking for something specific. Right. And I could tell they were looking for something specific. They weren't just like, oh, what's this? Oh, a cell phone. Right. They were like, no, it, I could tell, I could feel it. They had a target in mind. Right. Um, whether they found what they were looking for, I don't know. Like I couldn't tell. They just abruptly kind of like, okay, let's go. And then they were gone. Wow. And how did that leave you feeling? Um, really kind of, uh, well, raw, vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this wasn't just a um, look across, you know, a, a crowded place and see one on a bench. Right. This was, they came in my room. Right. Um, which means they know who I am. Right. They knew they were there for something specific. So this, it, this moved from, uh, a public encounter to something much, much more personal. Right. So yeah, it, it kind of it brought up lots of different feelings in that regards to, okay, well, what's going on here? Like, why, why are they involved in, in my life and at this capacity? You know, why, what are they looking for? Right. What are they doing? Right. You know, if, th- if this is happening that I'm conscious of, what's happening that I'm not conscious of? You know, that, a lot, all of those questions. That's a good question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a really good question. And it must have made you feel quite violated as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's a horrible feeling. And and have you found since then that you've been uh, more conscious of your safety? Um, I don't know if I'd say more conscious of my safety. Um, I think just generally more aware. Yeah, yeah, that's probably better wording. Uh, I mean, I've always had that kind of like, I think all of us have that kind of like that sixth sense. Um, you know, we know if we're being followed. Right. You know, we know if something is going to happen, mm-hmm. you know, that that kind of sense. So I think it, if anything, it heightened that. Right. To, um, you know, okay, I'm gonna, I need to bring this with me a little more closely, you know, pay attention. Right. You know, um, is there a van on the street? You know, am I being followed? Mm-hmm. That kind of mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And probably I'd say at this stage of uh, how things are in this world, that's probably not a bad thing. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, That's probably not a bad thing at this stage. Wow, that's pretty, uh, that would make you feel very unsettled, I have no doubt. Well, yeah, and a good part of the unsettled feeling is uh, they don't need to knock on your door. Mm-hmm. The, 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 this was portal technology. Mm-hmm. And they just barged in yeah. and it was like, 
pardon my French, was like, what the hell? Yeah. Like there, there wasn't a wall's not going to stop them. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like they just they just came through, and yeah. it was like, wow, where's that technology coming from? Yeah, yeah, and I actually recall that when I did my Men in Black episodes, there was one chap who had an experience, an older guy, and it was earlier on. I can't remember what years it was, but he said the guy walked down his steps, turned the corner, and disappeared into some light. Yeah. Mm, wow. He didn't see the portal, he just saw the light. So I would say that, and very often they just do disappear just like that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it makes sense where, where they're able to be at certain places very quickly. Right. Even Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd, do you know him, the actor? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. From Ghostbusters. He had a Men in Black experience. Interesting. Yeah. He was working on a television series for HBO, I think it was. And I can't remember the name of it offhand, but he had already produced four or five episodes of the series. And he was really delving into this whole area. And he'd just finished two interviews. Oh, no. He'd finished one interview and he was going to interview someone else for that same episode. And he went outside in New York City on the streets to have a smoke. And he saw a car parked across the road, and at that moment, Britney Spears phoned him, and he saw the car. He saw this big, he said a massive guy got out, really pale, typical men in black looking, and he said this man gave him the most horrible look, like a really nasty eye-to-eye contact. Mm -hmm. And he turned, he, he, like he said, he looked at him, turned back, and the car and the man had disappeared, completely disappeared. Wow. Just like that. And there's, he said, there's no way it could have driven off. He would have seen it go past. And no way it could have U-turned. It would have taken time for the car to U-turn and to have moved away. And he would have seen it. It was just as quick as that. And then he went back inside the studio. Two hours later, he got the message that the show had been cancelled. No reason why was given. And they were not to do any more filming. Mm, Interesting. Yeah. So, wow. and he was quite adamant about what he saw, which was very interesting. That is so interesting. Yeah. Wow. It's just the fact that he disappeared on him, just like that, you know? Just like that. Mm hmm. Yeah. And that's not the first time I've heard of that either, but the first time that I've heard of a high profile person talking about that. They probably don't see us as, you know, different than anybody else, you know. it's No, no, of course not, of course not. No. And I almost wonder if there's, you know, different levels of men in black, different layers. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not all playing the same role. I would say um, so. Because, you know, I, I've somebody, I remember reading a couple of years ago, someone who had an encounter and they were at their door. And one of the first things that I have, uh, have um, read, and this person said it too, is one of the first things they'll ask is, can we come in? Can we come in? And it's essentially a dominance thing because right. once they enter your house, they basically are entering your space and they now have control of your space. Right. That's why they want in your house. Um, but it's almost like they have to ask you for it. Right. They have to ask permission f- for you to invite them in. Yeah. And it's like just the second episode with mine, 
there was no invitation. They just showed up. Right. It was almost like there was a different team that maybe does these portal jumps or these, these portal, mm. um, these portal moves and, and stuff. Yeah. As opposed to the ones who actually go to the doors. I don't know. Just a, just a guess. Just pondering. Right. And actually you just triggered something for me when you were, when you were saying that, because I, I had completely forgotten this about my experience, but they did ask mum if they could come inside and mum refused to let them in. Yeah. Because of the feeling, you know, that she got off them. Oh, wow, that's really interesting. Funny how things come back, yeah. Yeah, there's there's something to that. There yeah. is definitely something to that it's about them wanting to gain access to your space. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's something to that. Yeah. There's definitely something to that. Obviously, we're both doing the roles that we agreed to at this point in time. I know that for me, I guess, part of my work is to speak out and bring things out into the public. It's actually taken about a year and a bit for me to do this podcast. I had the feeling I should do it not long after I started the group, actually, but I just ignored it. I thought, oh, well, who's going to listen to me anyway, you know? What I have to say isn't that important. Mm -hmm. And then... So I discarded the thought and it came back to me again. I ignored it. And then my group members started saying to me, Mary Ann, why don't you start a podcast? You'd be really good. Why don't you? Until finally I said, okay, guys, I got the message. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> so I did a whole season that's just finished. I felt I needed to build up a little bit of credibility with my audience before I started introducing what I call my bread and butter subjects. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Well, I'm glad you did. I'm glad you listened to that and, and started following, you know, that voice and that, that impulse to get out there and start doing what you're doing. Well, I always have, but it's been limited to people I'm reaching. But with this, only 25% of my audience is in New Zealand. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think 30-something percent is in the States region. And the rest is in countries worldwide. So the people this message is supposed to get to will get it. Yeah, that's awesome. Wonderful. So for you, I'm assuming your contacts are still ongoing, or has there been a bit of a lull for a bit for you? The contacts that I remember, uh, you know, it's been a long time. Same thing. Yeah, it's been a long time. It doesn't mean that they're not happening. I'm just... I'm not aware um, if it is happening. Um, these, what I was describing as these really vivid dreams, <laughs> what's happening, those mm -hmm. seem to be ongoing. Mm. Um, I probably have about one a month. Mm. Um, and it, it's, it's like I, I'm on a, I'm on a, I'm doing something specific. Like I'm on a mission. I have a mission to complete. I was going to say to you. Yeah. 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 And uh, yeah. But as far as the actual contact, um, no, on a physical level, I, I can't. It's been long, long, long time. Decades? Yeah. Yeah, same for me as well on that level. It's, yes, it's been decades. But in fact, in January this year, I actually went for a walk up into a bush area here in New Zealand because I was feeling really despondent and I was really missing my contacts. You know, my conscious contacts. It's like being home. And I was verbally saying whilst, whilst I was isolated in the bush, Look, you guys, I'm doing everything I know I'm supposed to be doing. And I feel like I've been dumped, forgotten about. I feel like, mm -hmm. you know, where are you guys? What's happened? Yeah. And I said, 
you need to show me that you're still here and you're still relevant in my life and that I'm still on the right the right path. And I was really upset. Now, half an hour later, I was driving home. Something in the skies caught my eyes. It was 10 o'clock in the morning, New Year's Day. A big white ship flew across. Wow horizontally across the sky and then went up vertically like that yeah. I was like okay thank you that's all I needed yeah all you needed yeah you know I certainly don't think just because we may think it's not happening that there isn't things happening well they did tell me you know it, it yeah yeah it's it's perhaps happening on a different level than than you know that we need maybe don't need to understand right now you know Oh, absolutely it is. And I know this. On a level I know this. It's on the human level I sometimes struggle. Yeah. But but on the soul level <laughs> I absolutely understand this. And in fact they said to me, my contact said to me back in the eighties when I last had contact, don't feel we've dropped you like a hot potato. They like using human uh, <laughs> human human terminology. What's the words? Uh sayings. Yeah. Don't think we've dropped you like a hot potato, but we're going to be really busy. We've got lots of stuff we have to do behind the scenes. Yes. So you may feel isolated. And boy, did I want. Mm -hmm. So I tend to feel that things are coming to a head very rapidly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I suspect you probably have that feeling as well. Yeah, yeah, I do. It's, um, there's, you know, things are, it feels like things are ramping up. Yeah. Very, very much. You know, behind the scenes, it's it's like the oven's heating up before the food goes in. It's like, okay, it's getting hotter, it's getting hotter, it's getting hotter. It's almost, you can, you know, tune in and you can feel like there's there's stuff happening. Yeah. Um, we might, might not be able to pinpoint it. We might not be able to describe what's happening, but we can, yes. you know, we're all connected with each other and the earth. And all you have to do is just kind of just tune in and you're like, yeah, there's lots going on here. Absolutely. Um, and whether it's going to come to some kind of a head or how that's going to play out, I don't fully know. I've, I've kind of feel there's a couple of different options still. What do you feel the options are? I think one of the options is we go through um, quite a large earth shift. Correct. There, there's going to be, you know, there's going to be some earth changes. Major earth changes. Um, and yeah, I also think there may be something happening with the sun. Um, well, there is something happening with the sun. There definitely is. Um, the, the sun has been changing, especially the last four or five years. Like it's. Yeah, well, it's definitely not yellow like it used to be. That's for real. No, no. I remember two years ago, I was, um, I was just, I had to be outside in the sun all the time. Mm -hmm. It's like I just needed to be in it. Mm. And that's when I started going, boy, there's some, the sun's going through a shift. Might have to do with our placement in, you know, the movement of the cosmos. Who knows? But uh, there's some people suggesting that there's going to be quite um, a good solar flare coming that could change a lot of things for us. Mm. Yeah, I've heard that too. I've heard that from different sources. And certainly, certainly the earth changes are a big one. And I've been aware of that. That's what they were talking about when they were talking about holding the earth. Yes, yeah. 
And I knew that once we hit that tipping point, that things would escalate from there last January, and they absolutely have. Since then, earthquakes have markedly increased in both number and size, volcanic eruptions, things that signify earth movement have absolutely ramped up. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. And, And a lot of this earth movement and earthquakes can be directly related to the sun. Mm, absolutely, yes. Yeah, sun flares, sunspots, um, solar activity, and solar. Mm. And, and, I mean, they know this. They they put they put yep. this these two together. That when the sun is going through yep. its its thing, it affects us on a tectonic level. It affects the Earth tectonically. Well, of course, because these planets are living beings, they're living entities. Their energies interact constantly, like our energies interact. Yep. Like we all interact, so what affects one is going to affect the other. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so, but you know I know this anyway. It may be something new for the listeners. I'm just just trying to think if there's anything else I need to ask. Is there anything, any message that you might like to pass to people that you think is relevant for them that might help them, that might help anybody who's going through the same thing? Um, Well, I I definitely think finding a a community like what you have what you have created um you know other facebook communities um like mufon um where you know and i know for almost everybody that sense of of safety you know is this a safe place mm-hmm. because we all know how uh easy it is for people to just start ridiculing and judging and and you know these people that have never left their their laptop in their basement, you know, saying no, that's not real, <laughs> right? You know, because they have nothing better to do. You know, it's, it's it's really about honoring, you know, your experience and what you um, are going through or have gone through. And you know, if you if you truly do want to reach out and connect, there are people, there are groups. Right. that you can definitely do that with if that's the case there's a lot of people that um, don't choose to share and you know they just keep it to themselves or to very close people in their circle and you know that's okay mm-hmm. too there's no right or wrong mm-hmm. yeah absolutely so yeah it, it's you know finding finding that safety because you know the last thing that's that that i think people need is you know, it takes a lot of courage to come up and go, hey, I'm going to come out with something that's really weird. Um, you know, I saw the ship and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, you know, it takes a lot of courage to actually come out that. And the last thing those people need, the last thing these people need is to be shot down by uh, ignorance. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, just making sure that you find the right people that are open and willing to uh, listen and support you. and and uh, yeah be there yeah that's absolutely right so that's really good advice and pretty much what Susie said the other day as well it was pretty much the same thing find supportive people be careful who you choose to speak to because not everybody's what they appear to be no it's not even on this you know these sites Mm. where you know anybody can join a site and you never know who's there so exactly um you know, if you if you don't mind putting it out there, and, and you know people saying this or that doesn't bother you, then that you know yeah yeah you shake it you know shake it off. It doesn't matter. But for some people, that that does matter. 
So, yeah. I agree. And in my Facebook group, Walking the Shadowlands, I have really strict rules. I'm all about safety of my members. I'm all about confidentiality. I'm all about letting them know that it's a safe place where even if we don't agree, and that's okay, we respect one another's views. Yeah, awesome. And I'm really, really strict about that because it's important for people to be able to feel safe, to express what they need to express, whatever it's about, it doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I really, I really hope that very soon we, we are able to reach that level of awareness and consciousness where someone can disagree and, and not have to, you know, shoot somebody down to make them feel better. They can just go, wow, that sounds like a really neat experience. You know, that's not in the realm of my belief system, but, you know, yeah, good, you know, and just leave it. And just leave it as that. They don't have to, you know, say, no, that's that's not real. That didn't happen. Or, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree with you. Wouldn't that be lovely? And in the meantime, we've got lots of exciting things to look forward to, exciting changes coming up. And I've no doubt, because I know our teams are absolutely busy behind the scenes. Very, yeah. Very, very busy. And I know that when I try to tune into them, I just get this uh, this sense of controlled chaos. <laughs> <laughs> For yeah. want of a better word, you yeah, know? Yeah, a lot of uh, juggling yes. going on behind the scenes right now. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with that. And I'm, I'm really grateful to you, David, for coming forward and sharing your experiences like this because it's a very brave thing to do, to speak out in public. It doesn't matter where in the world you are because I actually feel that more of us are going to come out and speak up. I feel it's the right time to do so or I wouldn't be doing this now if it wasn't the right time. Yes, exactly. And, you know, getting the support that you're getting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is really amazing. And like you've come out of the blue and out of nowhere. So yeah, it's the right thing. Do you have anything else to add? Any questions we haven't covered? Anything you feel we need to bring out? I don't think so. Marianne, I think you've covered pretty well everything. Yeah, no, it's a lot of great questions and, and a lot of good topics that we covered today. There's lots of us that are here doing similar work. So, yeah. And you're right. There's, like we said earlier, there's, there's, there's a, a shared commonality that we can recognize when we see each other. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so very, very much for your time today, David. You're so welcome. Yeah, thank you so much uh, and for reaching out and, and offering to connect like this. It's, uh, it's been wonderful. And thank you for, um, you know, kind of holding this platform for me to share these uh, weird, wacky and fun experiences. (laughs) It's awesome. And I'm so glad we can do this because I know that, you know, some people are going to go (laughs) and some people are going to go, oh my God, I can absolutely resonate with this. I absolutely understand what they're saying. Yes, it's true. It's true. So, you know, if it helps, you know, even one person in, in some way, then then that's our job's done. That's great. It is. Thanks each day, David. Bye-bye. Bye.
This has been a very interesting conversation for me and hopefully for all you listening. It was very validating for both of us to know that we had the same sort of experiences. It actually is not that often that I speak with experiences, certainly not ones living in the other hemisphere, who experience the same sort of things I did. So, in these two episodes, David has shared some of his experiences that he remembers about going underground and speaking with groups of diverse species of star people. He talked about the androgynous being whose facial features he never saw, who met him at the door to the underground chamber where he spoke with the other beings, the diverse species of star people. He talked about beings around his bed at home. He talked in this episode about his men in black experiences. I've long wondered myself if these men are in fact interdimensional beings of some description and certainly David's bedroom experience would tend to support that theory. How vulnerable would you feel after experiencing something like that? Yeah, you would not feel safe anywhere. We also talked briefly about coming earth changes. These were not mentioned to scare anybody, but they are a part of most experiences learning on board the ships about how we need to better look after our planet, how she is a living being, a different form of life to us, but absolutely a life form regardless, and how humankind is destroying her how she needs to go through her own personal growth and development, as we all do. This is something that is deeply, deeply impressed on us all. And for you experiences out there who are listening to this episode, it's highly likely that you all also are feeling this sense of things heating up, for want of a better word. I did cut a large portion of that part of the conversation out because I don't wish to create fear in people. It will, however, be available for Patreon members to listen to from the members page of the podcast website, www.walkingtheshadowlands.com, should they wish to listen to it, along with a number of other cuts that didn't make the actual episodes for one reason or another. David and I talked for almost two hours and it was a pleasure talking with him, such an easy man to talk with. If this episode's brought up any memories and issues for you, then you can always contact Susie's UFO Experiences support team at www.communicatorlink.com or if you want to talk to me about your experiences or memories, you can email me at shadowlands at yahoo.com or through the podcast website's contact page, www.walkingtheshadowlands.com. Just be kind to yourself and know that it's okay to remember and you most definitely are not alone in your experiences. School today is called Private Reflection by Kevin MacLeod, licensed under Creative Commons. For more information, check out this episode's page on the podcast website.
If you have any suggestions for topics you might like me to cover in upcoming episodes, then please don't hesitate to contact me. Or if any of you have any questions or any comments that you'd like to make or experiences that you might like to share with myself and my audience, then just email me at shadowlands at yahoo.com. If you're a member of Anchor at anchor.fm, then you can leave me a voice message via their platform, which I could include in an upcoming episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave a positive rating and don't be shy to leave a written review on Apple Podcasts or on your chosen podcasting platform. Who knows? You may hear your review read out at the end of one of these podcasts. And of course, so you don't miss out on any episode, make sure you subscribe on your favourite podcasting platform. This podcast is available on all free podcasting platforms and available from iHeartRadio as well. If you don't have a smartphone, then you can listen to the episodes from the podcast website www.walkingtheshadowlands.com. For those hearing impaired, there's a full written transcript of each episode on the website so you don't miss out at all. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your workmates about our show. Encourage them to listen and to subscribe also. The more the merrier. Please consider supporting this show on Patreon.com. You can check out the link on our website, check out our Facebook page, Walking the Shadowlands, our Instagram feed of the same name and our Twitter feed, at Shadowlands10. Like and follow for hints on our upcoming episodes. Thank you so much for listening. Tonight, today, wherever you are in this beautiful world of ours, we'll see you this time next week. Thanks for listening. 